Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This past September marked the 61st anniversary of a pretty iconic speech in American history. It was September 12, 1962, and President John F. Kennedy stood in front of a crowd of about 30,000 people at Rice University, and he had one goal in mind with that speech. He wanted to convince people that we should put a man on the moon. This is the, the speech when he said, we choose to go to the moon and do other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. It's a, like I said, a very famous speech. You could go home and watch the whole thing on YouTube when church is done if you really wanted to. And you just have to appreciate how he, he really went for it. There is no mistaking what he is trying to do. He is trying to convince the American people to get behind investing their time, energy, and resources into beating the Russians to the moon. And whenever I hear that, that speech, though, I can't help but think of my, my grandpa, who was a farmer in Wisconsin and Iowa before that, watching it on TV or listening to it on the radio and then just turning it off and looking at my grandma and saying, why are we doing this? And if he would have thought that, he wouldn't have been alone. A poll taken in the country earlier that year showed that 58% of Americans opposed the mission to the moon. And when you hear some of the stats behind it, maybe you kind of understand. Um, when it was all said and done, the Apollo program would end up costing our country $28 billion. That would be $280 billion today and an estimated 5.2 billion man hours. Why invest so much in that mission? Of course, that's not the mission I want to talk about with you guys today. I want to talk to you about the mission to build a new home for God's people, those far away from him and those near to him, called Christ the Rock up in Canton. And maybe the same question is buzzing around in your head right now, too. Why? Why is this the mission? Maybe you've seen the, the, the videos and the posters going around our synod right now. A hundred new missions in ten years. Uh, nine of them just got the green light this spring. One more just was approved this last month. Sounds great, right? It's awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great goal to shoot for. It looks great on paper. Maybe it just looks great on paper. Because then you remember that the average cost to support one of those new mission churches is well over a million dollars. And then you're looking at a pretty hefty bill. Churches all over the country are having trouble finding and keeping pastors. There just aren't as many young men training to be pastors right now. Do we really have the manpower to point at all of these new churches? And planting a new church is tough. It takes time, energy, dollars, prayer. It takes God's hand of blessing. So why? Why would we invest so much in planting a new mission church like Christ the Rock in Canton and then do that 99 more times? Why this mission? And that's why we have to turn to a guy named Paul today. Paul's a guy who comes up in the Bible a lot. God actually used him to write a lot of the books in the New Testament part of our Bibles. 
And if Paul would have carried around business cards when he was alive, they probably would have said, Paul, church planter extraordinaire. I mean, he's, he's probably the greatest missionary of all time. He just had a real heart and passion for telling people about Jesus. But when Paul would start one of these brand new little churches, a lot of times when he would leave them, somebody would come in right behind him and just start bad-mouthing him. Ah, that Paul guy, he didn't know what he was talking about, but I do, let me tell you. And a lot of times they would just say that almost the complete opposite of what Paul had just taught these young Christians. And that's not even mentioning all of the times that he was threatened, thrown out of town, imprisoned, beaten, and stoned. Did anyone ever ask this guy, Paul, why is this your mission? You sure are investing a lot to plant these new churches. And that's why we have to hear what Paul says in 2 Corinthians today. Because if anyone ever asks him that question, if he ever asks himself that question, why this mission? He answers it right here. And not just for himself, not just for the, the little growing church in Corinth, but for us too. So let's take a closer look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's start by just reading verse 5. It was on page 9 in your service folder if you want to follow along there. What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. You read that sentence, and right away you get the feeling that maybe Paul didn't have those business cards that said church planter extraordinaire on them. Because for Paul, his work isn't about him. It's not about shameless self-promotion, like an author going on a book tour and just talking about how awesome he is and his own work. No, for Paul, this is about pointing to and promoting someone else. Jesus. This work was all about Jesus. So if Paul would have carried business cards, they would have said something like, your servant for Jesus' sake. And he illustrates that for us with this, this picture that he uses in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. God has blessed my wife and I with three beautiful daughters. And after each one was born, someone would always send my wife flowers in the hospital. Nobody ever sent me anything, but hey, I'm over it. So. You know what I never heard my wife say once when those flowers came? Wow, that's a beautiful vase. Who sent that jar? No, it's about the flowers, right? It was the flowers are beautiful. It was about the flowers that were in the jar. That's, that's the real focus there. You know clay jar is so temporary, it's fragile, it's nondescript, it is so not the center of attention. And so with that picture, Paul is giving us our first answer to our why this mission question. It's not about the jars, it's about Jesus. If you make mission work all about the the, the, the jar of clay instead of the treasure of Jesus that's inside of that jar, 
then guess what? Yeah, you're going to struggle to answer our why this mission question. And if I'm being honest, that truth is a really hard pill for me to swallow. Because when things are going right, when the mission is successful, I want to pile all the praise and glory onto my own shoulders. But there's something not quite right about that, is there? You know, when people are getting excited about the new mission, when they want to come to our grand opening in November, when people want to learn more about what we say about baptism, what the Bible teaches, and the promises it holds out, when we have a Sunday worship and there's actually people sitting in the chairs, I want to make it all about me. The jar of clay. It's not about God's all-surpassing power, then, is it? It's about our own power, our own abilities, our own get-to-itness. Paul's answer to our question, why this mission, is just a sobering reminder for us whenever we lose sight of our role in all of this. Whenever we're proud, because I knew exactly what to say to my unchurched friend. It was my invitation that finally got him in the door. It was my pushing that finally got him into Bible information class. What a great reminder from Paul that you can't forget your role in all of this. We are clay jars. And can the jar ever take credit for how awesome and amazing the treasure inside of it is? But there's a beautiful truth in that picture Paul uses too. The fact that God uses us, fragile and selfish as we are, is just a testament to how good our God is. Because God doesn't need us to do this work I mean, just look at how often we take his glory and try to make it all about us. But the good news is that your God gets you on board with this mission to carry that good news, to be a clay jar. He does it by loving and serving you first. He did that by sending Jesus, who became like one of us, clay jars. He set aside that all-surpassing power he had as God, gave up his glory so that we could have glory. But not a selfish, prideful glory. The glory of God's one and only Son. You see the beauty in that? That God doesn't demand alignment with the mission. He lived the mission perfectly through Jesus first to get you on board. The good news that we carry around as clay jars is the news of Jesus who gave up his life in exchange for ours. The one who took all of our sinful pride and he put it to death alongside of himself. That pride is dead now. And now just like Jesus was raised to new life, now you also have been raised to new life. And you get to live that new life for him. It's not about the jars. It's about Jesus, who transforms us into clay jars with the greatest treasure the world has ever seen in them. The treasure of full and free forgiveness, of new life, 
and salvation through faith in what Jesus did for us. And another awesome part about this good news is that it protects and shields us as we do this work that Jesus sent us out to do. Look at verses 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, I am by no means an expert when it comes to pottery, but I do know that words like press on all sides, persecuted, struck down, those do not sound like good things when you are talking about something that's fragile, like a clay jar. But then you also notice Paul says that we are not crushed or in despair or abandoned or destroyed. That can only be possible because someone is taking care of these jars. The good news that we carry around is not just the news of the Jesus who gives us new life, forgiveness, and salvation. The glory that we carry around is that Jesus loves us enough to fill us up with this good news and hold us tight in his arms and protect us and give us the strength we need in order to carry out this work. I mean, news this good, it has to be shared. We have to tell other people about it. And that's why Paul keeps going in 2 Corinthians. He says, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. President Kennedy gave that speech over 60 years ago because he wanted America to get on board with his vision for the direction that they should go in the future. That's not why Paul is doing what he's doing, though. For Paul, it isn't about vision. It's about the truth. Paul is saying we should do this mission work not because it's his vision for how the church should move forward, because this is the truth. Part of what makes this news so good is that it is the truth. Paul says that if you believe in Jesus, you're going to talk about him. Faith just means you speak. And if you, have, if you, if you need a, a different example of how believing and speaking go hand in hand, think about it like this. Right? If, if I told you right, the Atlanta Braves are the best team in Major League Baseball, right? You told that to me, and how would you respond if I said, yeah, that's just what you believe, though? You'd probably say, yeah, I believe it because it's true. <laughs> it's facts. You can't deny it. They have the best record right now. When you believe something is true, you talk about it. That's just the way it goes. So when we share Jesus with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, whoever, that is not just a knee-jerk reaction of blind faith divorced from reality. We do that because we believe, like Paul, that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. We don't do mission work because it's one man's vision. We do it because it's the truth. Is it a tough truth? Sometimes that truth that everyone needs to hear, that we're all sinful, uh, that everyone on this planet was dead in God's eyes because of the wrong and hurtful things that we do say 
and think, but also that awesome good news that Jesus takes every one of those sins and put them to death, that Jesus raises everyone who believes in him to new life. That's the good news. This truth that we talk about is really pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, forgiveness, new life, salvation, freedom, guarantees for the for the future that give us hope for the right now. That's the truth behind what we believe. And when you believe those things, you're gonna talk about them. But there's one more big reason why Paul says we do the work that we do, and it's one that we can't lose sight of. Look at the last verse. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Paul's last answer, it's not about us. It's about them. Can I share a story with you guys today? So, um, when before I came to Canton, I was a pastor in Juneau, Alaska. Ask me about it sometime. I'd love to tell you more, so. I was a pastor in Juneau, Alaska for four years, and when I was there, I got to meet the Woodbury family, Ray, Bethany, Ava, and Parker. Just an awesome family. Ray would have said he's a Christian, right? Re really connected to the church when he was a teenager, he baptized, all of those good things, but even he would admit it probably been about 20 years since he had really been active in church. His wife, Bethany, she grew up Mormon, and it kind of drifted away and decided maybe the Mormon church wasn't really for her and her family. And Ava and Parker grew up kind of knowing a little bit about Bible and church and Jesus, but not all the details. And so it didn't take very long for one of their friends, who happened to be members of our church, to start inviting them. And they got hooked up with our Bible information class. And then Bethany, Ava, and Parker were all baptized on the same day that they joined our church. And as awesome as all of that sounds, one of my favorite parts of this story came a couple weeks later. Um, one of our parents at our church was driving the kids' field trip for school. And Parker and a few other kids were in her car, and as they drove by our church, Parker, who had been a member of our church for two weeks, pointed out the window and said at the top of his lungs, That's my church! And I can't help but think, isn't that a big reason why we do this mission work? So that more and more people will rejoice like Parker rejoiced. So that more people will know the goodness and the joy of having God's glory in their life. The glory of God's one and only son, Jesus, who forgives us to know the goodness and the grace of a God who loved them so much he didn't stop short of giving up his one and only son. Isn't that why we do this mission work? Now I realize that today I don't get to stand in front of a crowd of 30,000 people and, and talk about our reasons why we do this mission, but I am very thankful to talk with you guys about it today. Because it is a blessing to have so many of God's people giving their, their time and energy their, their dollars, their prayers, their thoughts, 
lifting us up before the Lord's throne of grace as we go out to do this work. And I know that you do it because you know why we do this kind of work. It's not about the jars. It's about Jesus. It's about the truth of what he did for this whole world. And it's about those people who still need to hear that truth. So whether it's up in Canton, here in Covington, or all over the world, we know why we do this work. It's all about Jesus. So let's share that truth. Amen. I'll invite you guys to please stand. And this peace of God that goes beyond all understanding, it will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Why don't we join now in confessing the Christian faith that we share using the words of the Nicene Creed printed on pages 12 and 13. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated as we, we receive our thank offering.
continue with the prayer of the church. Heavenly Father, you have given all believers a mission to be jars of clay that carry the treasure of the gospel. Please move us to share that gospel, not for our own glory, but to lead others to see your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, we ask that you give us a heart like John the Baptist, who was eager to point to you the Lamb of God. In everything we do, lead us to always point to you, Lord, remembering what you have done to take away the sins of the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Preserver of life, we come before you on behalf of all those who are sick or suffering. We ask that if it is your will, you grant them healing and patience as you work out your plan in their lives. Guide them back to your word to find healing for their tired and troubled souls. We especially ask that you be with Ellen Powell and Kimberly Miller as they both recover from surgery. Give them healing so that they can return to the regular routine. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, you sit enthroned over all creation. As wars and natural disasters continue to affect the world, we ask that you continue to rule over all things for the benefit of those who trust in you. We especially ask that you help those who are still recovering from the destruction of Hurricane Adelia. Please equip governments all over the world to work towards peace and protection for all people. Lord, in your mercy. And hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. And we join in the prayer that you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 